0: Kiki Hi, Tuesday Felicia de Suetos. Happy day of the Dead. Ah, uh, the dead will rise, and it's your family, and he they want to come over, so feed them I, so I, yes, I, we are doing the other day of the Dead movie that's on Disney plus the Book of Life. Uh, last year we did Coco. Might as well finish the setup,
1: <laughs> yeah, and um. It like like we said it's really hard to get Halloween appropriate stuff on Disney that was originally made under the Disney label cuz this is yet another 20th Century Fox merger.
0: Yeah, apparently but this wasn't originally supposed to be a Fox movie. Apparently uh this was uh this was originally pitched to Dreamworks who turned it down. And then they went to Fox. Yeah. So imagine Uh, you know, Universal Studios missed out on having these characters for Halloween Horror Nights.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it could have been uh, an interesting bit for the younger ones who are a little bit too scared for the harder edge of Halloween Horror Nights over at Universal. Uh, But before we get into that, we do have an interesting drop that happened on the day we are recording this. The internet kind of blew up with a a new
0: drop from Disney. Yeah, we got the first trailer for Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear origin movie. Yeah, and I
1: woke up to every single person I have ever met sending me this trailer. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't even because I... Do a Disney podcast, and I'm into Disney things. It was because of the other reason. This trailer heavily uses a David Bowie song, which is probably the only thing I'm into more than Disney.
0: So what you're saying is that at some point we need to do Labyrinth. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, they don't own that. That's still Henson.
0: <laughs> oh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we got a little uh, a little. Preview of the movie got a little look at the uh, the Buzz Lightyear suit, very little voice acting. We got a little bit of Chris Evans doing part of the line. Um, it's kind of like at the end of uh, of Avengers: Age of Ultron, where you kind of start to get Captain America saying Avengers, ah. yeah, but then you get to infinity and.
1: Yeah, it uh, cuts off there right at the end. Um, they want
0: they, they want you to pay for that line.
1: Yeah, if you would like to hear the completion of this line, please send a lot of money to Pixar care of Disney Studios. <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot of plot. The animation looks gorgeous, though. Yeah. I mean, the animation looks almost photorealistic as you can get which while is still having very... the proportions of Buzz Lightyear's head
0: yeah it's very different from your typical Pixar movie in that regard
1: yes yeah, like, p- kind of like if you made those Toy Story characters much more human looking which is slightly off-putting but in a really really pretty way it's just so pretty It's very very pretty
0: yeah, well, we know there's a spaceship, there may be some aliens in it, and at some point he'll get the traditional Buzz Lightyear Star Command outfit. Yeah, the, the woman
1: in the trailer is wearing that similar kind of spacesuit, though.
0: It just might be the spacesuit of whatever organization this...
1: Yeah, that Star Command...
0: Yeah. outfit,
1: yeah. Uh, but, but we do see it on another another character. It's just that Buzz seems not to have earned his yet.
0: He has to earn his stripes yet. Yeah. Again, this is an origin story. The Supposedly, The way
1: he's looking at it,
0: it's very much that... It reminds me of Miles looking at the Spidey suit and, and Into the Spider-Verse. See, I was thinking of
1: that moment when Tony Stark does that reveal of like the upgraded spider suit right before the press conference and Peter's looking at it like ooh you know Spider, same
0: same idea (laughs) yeah
1: different spider same thing but you know it's like we both went Spider-Man for that but yeah
0: so yeah the movie supposedly is the origin of the person that would inspire the Buzz Lightyear toy
1: but here's the thing. Are we just seeing an episode of the Buzz Lightyear TV show? Basically,
0: this feels like the gritty reboot to a TV show that never existed.
1: Yeah, it does kind of. Like, are we seeing a movie that exists in the Toy Story universe?
0: Maybe again, there was this. Is hard- this
1: what Andy is watching? Is Andy our age and? Watching this
0: in a theater, young Andy, the age that he was when the first movie came out, seeing the Buzz Lightyear cartoon on TV, which he actually did make one, and now as an as an adult, going to the theater and seeing this gritty reboot.
1: Yeah, this this is kind of in my in my brain. Like we are all, you know, we grew up watching. I mean, let's go back to the Spider-Man thing. We grew up watching Spider-Man cartoons, and now we go to the theater and we watch the, not necessarily gritty reboot, but the more adult version of that cartoon. Hmm. We watch the live-action version of Pick Your Your Favorite Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. And now we're all like, so is this like, Andy's version of the MCU, like I'm gonna go watch Lightyear. You know, is this like Iron Man for him? Dark They're watching the light NFC... Lightyear extended universe. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, if they bring any of those characters from the old cartoon into the movies, that would be awesome. But I don't think that's gonna happen.
1: I just, I kind of, I kind of wonder. Like, is that, is that what
0: this is? Maybe again we'll we'll find out uh in the new year, next year when that happens.
1: I mean No date
0: given as of this recording, there's been no date given to when light year's gonna be, just twenty twenty two.
1: I mean, as with most Disney things and especially Pixar thing, is there any way we're not gonna see this?
0: No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna go see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean duh. It's your story. <laughs> The mouse has us over a barrel all the
0: time, and we all know it, so... The mouse is a soulless corporation, but it knows how to push our buttons.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's... We were talking about it before the show, but, you know, our our friend Tony Coldmark was like... You know, sent out a tweet that was like, Oh yeah, Pixar, you thinking you can get me with a David Bowie set? Yeah, I'm totally gonna see this. <laughs> <laughs> <you> <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly all of us all of us were like this is such a soulless cash cra- and there's the David Bowie's like yeah we're totally we're we're already crying by the end of this trailer that tells us nothing about this movie we're we're so sold yeah i mean they know exactly how to get us and it's we're we're suckers
0: for it but eh, what you going to do yeah so yeah I'm looking forward to it uh yes. i get Yeah. So I guess we can move on to our main feature. That's just something else you want to talk about. No, we're good. Our main feature, The Book of Life from 2014. Uh, Yeah. 20th Century Fox film not done um, by Blue Sky. This is film done by a studio called Real FX. And they've done a few A few films. Uh, Not as many as. Like Pixar. Or DreamWorks. But a few. Uh, This is actually their. Third film. First film was. A film based off Cirque du Soleil. Their second film was the Thanksgiving movie. Freebirds. If you've ever seen that. Yeah that's that's the same studio. Uh, Book of Life. And they are coming out with a new film. Next year called Rumble which is a co-production with the WWE. It is giant kaiju professional wrestling.
1: Oh. Honestly. You had to say that. I was like, you know, this is the first of their films that I've actually seen because everything else they've worked on, I have I have not watched. Well, and we then of- you had to say giant kaiju professional wrestling and I'm like, ooh. That's all
0: my things. (laughs) So that'll be coming out in February. I mean,
1: they worked on, like,
0: Sherlock Gnomes, Ugly Dolls, Scoob. Apparently they are working on a sequel to the Book of Life.
1: Yeah, that's been talked about for a while. Are they
0: actually getting that off the ground? According to Wikipedia, it's in development. But who knows?
1: Yeah. They had talked about this being like a multi-part series since before it first came out. They wanted it to be this main movie that told the story of all the characters and then they wanted to have a movie that explored the childhoods of each of the three main characters in more depth.
0: Yeah, because we really skip ahead in these – they're kids for the first few minutes, and then we just zap to them being adults.
1: Yeah, and they wanted to fill in a story from each of the three main characters' childhoods. So they wanted to have like a, you know, quartet of films by the end of it.
0: That's something Disney would have done in in the 2000s, direct-to-video movies. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure they wanted
0: to do direct-to-video. I
1: think they wanted to do them all as, as features.
0: I don't know if that would have worked. I mean, I mean I'm
1: mean, i not sure could... if they would have ever gotten the budget or the audience for it, but I, I think that was their hope.
0: That might have worked if it was a TV series, and then you have each episode bouncing back and forth between the three. But I can't see that as a film.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm I I do not think that I would be the audience for that, but you know.
0: Let's talk about the person who's this kind of was the brainchild of and who was who is the executive producer of this movie. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, um I am rather a fan of Guillermo del Toro. The number of movies that he would have done that never got made. makes me cry. The fact that we're never going to get his version of the Haunted Mansion movie. The fact that we're never going to get Justice League Dark. You know? Those two movies by themselves would have been amazing. This
1: man's brain is just such a thing of beauty to me. (laughs)
0: Like, And he understands horror like very few directors do.
1: And not just horror, but gothic sensibility and gothic romance. I I was I was telling you before we started recording that I was listening to an interview with an actor who worked with him and it was actually Tom Hiddleston I was listening to talk about um the movie they had done together, Crimson Peak. Tom Hiddleston said that when Guillermo had pitched that movie to him, he was Pitching it to him as like, well, you know, it's it's very much in the the sense of like mysteries of Udolpho and stuff. And I'm thinking like, who even knows that book? Like, who reads that book for fun? I had to read that book for like a deep dive, gothic romance, early gothic literature class I did in grad school. Like, I wouldn't even know that book if I hadn't had to. You know, if I hadn't been forced to read it for a grade. Um, and it's like that's just his, you know, fun reading, mad respect, you
0: know.
1: <laughs> so I just, you know, when I when I see the things that come out of his brain, it's like it it, it makes my brain tingle because I'm like, oh, I I get where you're coming from, you know. <laughs> so, he you know, he was more the pr- producer and and stuff on this one, but you can see bits of guiding hand. Also, he's he does have a a small cameo. There's a a wife of a captain who
0: died of a
1: broken heart, and <laughs> he he voices her in the The Land of the Remembered.
0: Uh, Yeah, and uh, uh, moving on, a little bit of the director of this movie, Jorge Gutierrez. Uh, Some people might know him more as the creator of the TV show for Nickelodeon, El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera. So another show that has a lot of Mexican influence. He worked on shows like Mucha Lucha, another show with a lot of Mexican influence. Recently released a movie on Netflix... Maya and the Three, another movie with a lot of Mexican influence. So, uh, we didn't plan it to have to coincide with the drop of the movie. It's just, mm, just coincidence. I don't,
1: I don't know two of those, of the projects that you mentioned, but you know, I am a little familiar with Mucha Lucha. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I caught a little bit of that. Very buena.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Um. You know, we're we're both wrestling fans. So, you know, I was like, oh, they're doing a cartoon that's sort of about luchadors and,
0: you know, we kind of get a luchador in this movie. We have a luchador priest. Yeah. Uh, that has to be a reference to something.
1: Well, it is. It's um
0: Nacho Libre also was in, in, in inspired by the same story, I believe.
1: Um yeah, no. So that's a, a direct reference to um Fray Tormenta. Who was a real priest in Mexico, um, who really did run an orphanage and made money to run the orphanage by being a luchador <laughs> thing, and yeah, it is the the Nacho Libre story, the the Jack Black. But it really is a real story. This really did happen in Mexico. So there is that reference to the we do see the priest of of the orphanage, the little Catholic orphanage in the town with the the singing nuns that act as sort of the the Greek chorus. Yeah, <laughs> Um, well, but he does. He does wear the the wrestling, you know, the, the Luchador mask. But that is really, that really is what Frey Tormenta did.
0: Yeah. So uh, Gutierrez, now normally, normally with these kind of movies, they would send an animation team to a specific country to learn about that country, learn about their architecture, learn about their land to kind of make the film as authentic as possible uh gutierrez did not let that happen for this film uh yeah he denied his animators a trip to mexico because in his words uh usually animators would go to the touristy parts of mexico and not get a genuine feel of the culture so he just told the animators to just talk to him directly if they want to ask if they had any questions about mexico I I don't disagree with him on the touristy things, but it seems like you really wanted to cheap out on a trip to Mexico.
1: I don't know. Um maybe there's a little bit better way to do that in that guide your trip a little better. Yeah. Maybe rather than just send them like Like, I'm sending you to Tia Maria's house, (laughs) and my (laughs) Tia Maria is going to show you around, like, where I was born, and you're going to meet my family, and, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not immediately going to call the man a cheapskate, necessarily. He's not wrong. We've talked about it before. Like, oh, the animation team for Beauty and the Beast, they went to France, and where did they go? Oh, well, you know, they went to all of the touristy parts of Paris and then they went to like a vineyard and got drunk. You know, I mean, it's we've seen it. It's in all the archive footage. Yeah. So he's not wrong. At the same time, it does it does to me, mm. to me, border just a little bit on a tour, like you want to filter it through uh, one single person's perspective of Mexico and Mm. Mexican culture and even for I mean no culture is a monolith Mm. even for any one person from Mexico that is not all of Mexico just like any one person from America is not all America so I wouldn't want anyone trying to learn about American culture to be like hey don't go to America just come to me for your questions I wouldn't want them to do that about the south or georgia or you know i mean it's like because my experience is not all experience Mm -hmm. but at the by the same token he is right
0: don't just go to the touristy parts of wherever you're going so as i said book of life came out in 2014 and it was a movie about day of the dead in 2017 disney would release coco a movie about the day of the dead and boy howdy did people complain Disney ripped off Book of Life. How can they rip it off? Now, there are some similarities between the two films. They are both Day of the Dead movies. They both revolve around going to the land of the dead. They both involve a musician who is shunned for being a musician. And they both center around the theme of family. That's it. That is literally the end of the similarities between the two films. Saying Coco is a ripoff of The Book of Life is like saying every Christmas movie is a ripoff of every other Christmas movie. So does that mean there can only be one Christmas movie? No, I want more Day of the Dead movies. I'm not even Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican, I want more of this. This uh, This is great visuals, great stories, I want more of it. Yeah, and, you know, it's like, oh no...
1: day Day of the dead and journeys to the land of the remembered and land of the forgotten and guitar music and the importance of family if you're going to do a movie about Mexican culture that centers around this specific holiday a lot of those things are probably going to show up If you've listened to the show before, you know that we will absolutely call out the mouse when the mouse is in the wrong. I'm not entirely sure the
0: mouse is in the wrong here. The two movies are different enough that uh, it's not a big deal.
1: I, I think the only thing you can really ding it on in kind of strange similarity is that the main character wants to be a musician and their family does
0: not want that for them. Yeah, but how many movies have you seen with that being a plot?
1: Yeah, but here's a hint. A lot of artists have dealt with the fact that they want to be artists and their family did not want that for them. And if you are writing a movie that also has to be a musical, which this one is... We'll we'll, we'll get to that. (laughs) But if you are writing a, a movie in which music features prominently and you want to do theme of... Child wants to do art and family wants child not to do art. Music is about the easiest ways to express that. A lot of movies do. Child wants to sing. Family does not want child to sing.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the music in this movie. This is a jukebox musical. Yeah. That surprised me. Not all of them. I mean, I believe the Apology song is an original song. Yeah. But I think that's about it. Every other song is a previously existing song. You know, Creep and uh, I can't help falling in love with you. Uh Just a friend. <laughs> yeah, that one was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a jukebox musical. It is a head scratcher that they went in that direction. But I see it as that they wanted to appeal to the broadest audience possible. Maybe, again, to an audience that may not be Latino. And you want to reach that broader audience. Their a thought was, let's use popular songs that fit the narrative of our story. And maybe we can hook the audience that way.
1: Well, I'm going to say something. I love a jukebox musical I have written a jukebox musical before
0: I've seen it yes
1: (laughs) so having done that uh, I can say that it is a rather delicate art form and it can be done very well I, I actually love a jukebox musical when it's done well but it does take an understanding of knowing exactly how to place the songs where they move the story forward because a musical is already a delicate thing, right? Yeah. It's it's a it's a suspension of disbelief that suddenly everybody breaks into song and dance. And a lot of people hate musicals because even more so than a normal movie, it really stretches your suspension of disbelief, right? So a jukebox musical does that even more because you already have associations with this song outside this movie. So when something like, you know, Manolo is standing there and he just bursts into creep, that is not the first time you've heard creep unless you're a tiny little kid watching this, okay? Okay. So you as an audience already have associations with the song Creep. At so
0: least you they have... took the swear
1: word out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But the thing is is that so when you use that song in the movie you have to use it very delicately and in the plot correctly Because you have to get over all of the thousand other times your audience has already heard the song Creep and keep them engaged with the plot rather than here is some guy doing a karaoke version of Creep.
0: At least you only have a handful of characters singing. The characters who are singing are the ones that make sense to sing. Like, Manolo sings because he's a musician. But you don't hear Joaquin sing because he's not a musician. At least that makes sense in the story.
1: Yeah. um, But I'm going to say... It didn't work for me. Because... It did kind of just feel like, and now, Diego Luna will
0: sing a karaoke version of Creep. <laughs> there, if, if Manolo had busted out into Wonderwall.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, it's it really is. It's just like, and now, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it would have been... And, and some of them are just so jarring and I think it's because so few of them are used like you said it does kind of make sense in the movie that only two or three characters sing because so few characters sing it makes it all the more jarring when they do so like you're just watching like a normal movie and then it's like wait why are they singing Just a Friend like (laughs) I mean
0: we're in the we're in 1800s Mexico and suddenly we're listening
1: to Just a Friend, you know? It's
0: like I mean, we've seen a movie about King Arthur and the opening minutes is them singing We Will Rock You. Yes,
1: but the thing about that movie is that it starts out with that. So already you're like, okay, we're going to be anachronistic throughout this movie. And then even though they don't sing throughout the movie they do drop anachronisms throughout the movie in their speech it like the dialogue is you know they use slang words they shouldn't they're doing they're making jokes they shouldn't so it does kind of constantly remind you that this is a fantasy that we're doing this movie keeps going back and forth for me i would have rather it gone all in. I I want I want you singing ABBA in the middle of this. Like just
0: you have Ice Cube in this movie. Have him rap.
1: Yeah, well he, you know, he he does kind of name drop some of his songs in this. That's the weird thing. But yeah, it's like you've got Ice Cube have him rap which he never does. He makes jokes that you get if you're familiar with his repertoire, but that's about it. There's there's no real other reason for him to be in here, and you've got a lot of really good musicians in here that are part of the voice cast, but a lot of them aren't really used, which baffles me.
0: Uh, do you want to get into the cast? Oh uh, yeah, out?
1: yeah. Uh, while while we're here, um, yeah. this cast is so large. I'm not gonna really do a deep dive into any of them. Most of them are so famous, you're already gonna know them and. Apologies to a lot of the cast who are mostly known for their work in Mexico and telenovelas. We're kind of just going to go through the ones that are really big to most of the people who would listen to us who are primarily American and would know them for their work in America. So our main character is Manolo, who is played by Diego Luna. Mostly known now for having been in Rogue One, Mm -hmm. uh, really kind of catapulted his career. Um, I I knew him uh before. Um, he was in the Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, which uh, fascinatingly I did watch.
0: Um, Soon to be uh, yeah, is he is he yeah he's going to be in the Andor series for Disney Plus.
1: Yeah, he's getting his own series for Disney Plus that continues the. Um, well, not continues. If you saw Rogue One. Well, pre tenues There you go. <laughs> but but you know, but uh, expands the, the story. Dive Let's say into the history of uh, Andor. But you know, he had he had really hit kind of international. Acclaim for Itumama Tambien. Really, really, really hit it big when when he got Cassian Andor in and Rick 1. Our uh, main uh, female star in here is Zoe Soldana. You know, whether you know her as Uhura or Gamora, you know her as something. And she was an avatar that is now I, Disney. I always forget that Avatar exists. And then somebody has to remind me. Anyway, Zoe Saldana, she's in everything, you can't get away from her, uh, and who would want to? She's gorgeous and very, very talented. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, she's uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, we talked about her when yeah, we talked about that. Um, and as the third part of our main trio here, Joaquin, we have Channing Tatum. That was the one that surprised me when I was looking at the cast. I was like, "Okay, Diego Luna, Zoe Saldana,
0: <laughs> Channing Tatum. Why is Channing?" Yeah, because when the- you think Mexican character, you think Channing Tatum.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he does really well as just that sort of meathead who screams his own name all the time. <laughs>
0: Leroy Jenkins! That's what i was every time you said, Joaquin! Like, he's he's Leroy Jenkins before Leroy Jenkins.
1: He is Leroy Jenkins. Um, Everybody started knowing, well, everybody that wasn't me started knowing him for Step Up, and then everybody else who wasn't me knew him for Magic Mike, and then everybody that didn't know him for those things knew him for Twenty one Jump Street, I guess. And then eventually I just kind of heard enough people talk about him that I was like, okay, there's a guy out there named Channing Tatum.
0: He's Duke in the G.I. Joe movie, so there's that.
1: Which I also have not seen. This may be the first Channing Tatum movie I have ever seen.
0: No, because he was Superman <laughs> in the Lego movie. You said you saw that Oh Lego yeah,
1: movie. okay, okay, yeah. And and I've seen um Hail Caesar, because I love Coen Brothers movies. So he, and was, he was in that. King-
0: Kingsman, The Golden Circle.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have seen a few <laughs> Channing Tatum movies, just none that he was the primary star in. <laughs> yeah, he was the one that that surprised me. But you know he 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 does he does a good enough job with Joaquin. He's he's good at being full of himself and screaming.
0: He's his good own. at playing the a hole.
1: Yeah, he is. He is a downright Richard in this movie, and he's he's fairly good at it. Um. Yeah. Like like we said, Ice Cube shows up as the candle maker.
0: Um. Or the three deities in this movie.
1: Yeah. One of the three deities. Ron freaking Perlman as the Balba, who is the uh the primary villain, I guess you'd say, and uh, the ruler uh, in the land of the forgotten. I love me some Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman forever. I will I will show up anytime anywhere for some Ron Perlman. From the moment he was Vincent on the old Beauty and the Beast TV series, I grew up watching that with my mom.
0: And not the Disney it, version, folks.
1: Yeah, not the Disney version. the The TV series in the '80s is my my mom loved it, and it was one of the few you know the, one of the things I did with my mom as a kid. We would sit down every week and watch that everybody had a crush on vincent like you want to talk about like my monster boyfriend back in the 80s everybody wanted vincent as their monster boyfriend like ron perlman was your monster boyfriend in the 80s. he is hellboy yeah he is hellboy he is the only hellboy i i mean no no offense no offense at all to you know any uh, other
0: actor who who's ever played Hellboy. And,
1: and any other actor uh, from Stranger Things and the now MCU who may have <laughs> yeah. wandered into the part at the behest of other people who are not Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> but Ron Perlman is the only Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, We have uh, Kate de Castillo as La Muerte, who is uh, the uh, ruler of the land of the remembered. And she is Zipobo's wife. She is uh, a Mexican-American actress. And uh, she has worked uh, a lot with the director of this film. In fact, she is now... In his latest project, also playing the Goddess of Death. fantastic. Um, yeah, um, she does it so well in this movie, though it was really. But you know, in in America, she's she's been on um, things like uh, Weeds and Jane the Virgin and and stuff, uh, CSI Miami. So you may have uh, seen her on that. But uh, a lot of uh, work in in Mexico, primarily. Uh, we have just, this cast is filled with just, oh my god, they're in this, so we've got Hector Elizondo as, um, Manolo's father, we've got Danny Trejo as Manolo's grandfather. Christina
0: Applegates is in this movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she is the tour guide that, uh, works in the framing device and, uh, is, la muerte
0: in disguise i can understand um, why they didn't have the same actress because it would have been too obvious
1: yeah we've got gray griffin Famber you warrior name it herself
0: sh- yeah vampire warrior daphne from scooby-doo i've never seen A- i never seen avatar the last Benburner, but everyone seems to want him to do that voice of that character from that show
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, First of all, as soon as we stopped recording this, you were watching Avatar The Last Airbender. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I know we're a Disney podcast, but oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, she's she's amazing on that. And she also uh, took over... um, russie taylor's voices on the simpsons after the death of russie taylor so she is now uh martin prince and uh sherry and terry
0: more who's who them you get gabriel iglesias cheech madden oh it's like too many to name
1: yeah um eric bauza
0: who's been in everything another magister's alumni
1: yeah but now is like all of the looney tunes
0: Uh, yeah all (laughs) of the looney tunes
1: yeah and, uh, we also have, uh, one, one of, uh, my, my favorites, uh, popping up as several voices in here. Uh, he's Maria's father as well as, uh, Chewy Maria's, uh, pet pig, um, Carlos, uh, who is who, um, is, you know. He's on everything. He's in Rocco's Modern Life. And he does uh, a couple of voices. In uh, New Looney Tunes. And everything. But a lot of people our age. Are going to remember him as. Yo quiero Taco Bell. He is the Taco (laughs) Bell Chihuahua. (laughs) He he will always be. Um, If you ever watched uh, Reno 911. He was also. um, Garcia. On, on Reno 911 you you would actually know his face and his his
0: voice um for for that we mentioned uh, Del Toro's cameo but Jorge Gutierrez himself has a cameo or not really a cameo he's playing one of the main characters Carmelo the big burly cousin
1: yeah he 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 uh is is fun uh in in that part uh that uh he just gets to he he basically gets a hulk smash Role, yeah, and that um, very very fun. I I do like that character. <laughs> um, but yeah, just this cast is amazing.
0: Gonna when you got that say, Fox money, you can afford it.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was it was really when I was going through this, I kept going like, wait, that voice sounds so familiar, and then I looked up the cast, and I was like, wow. Um let's let's talk about this this plot a little bit cuz we we've, we've already kind of talked uh, a lot about it but it centers around possibly the my my least favorite plot device ever
0: the love triangle the love triangle three three children two boys one girl they all grew up together and of course both boys would fall in love with the same girl yeah and Apparently, the forces of the universe have decided that these three people are the most important people in existence because they make a bet. The rulers of the underworld, the ruler of the land of the remembered and the ruler of the land of the forgotten, make a bet on which of the boys will marry the girl. Yeah. yeah,
1: And the and the bet is, you know, depending on who she marries, Sibalba will either stop meddling in mortal affairs or he will get to rule the the land of the remembered in which it is always a party and everything is wonderful, you know. And uh, his wife, La Muerte, will uh, be consigned to go live in the land of the forgotten where everything is dull and gray and cold and awful.
0: La Muerte has to be the most forgiving wife in existence. M- most wives are. <laughs> Imagine if your significant other were come to say, hey, uh, you're going to live in the basement, and I'm going to live here in the first floor. That's just it. <laughs> but even then, it's like, like, Zabala is, like, the worst husband. Lying to his wife, cheating. Not cheating
1: on her. He literally cheats in the bet.
0: Yeah, he cheats the best. That's what I'm saying. He's cheating in the bet. He, you know, the the reason Manolo dies is because of the interference.
1: Yeah, he he gives Joaquin, his champion, the absolute Richard of the story, like a medallion that will protect him and give him eternal life and make sure he's never hurt. And he also makes makes it so that Manolo thinks that Maria has died, and he has to travel into the underworld to find her soul. But really, it was a curse. It was a curse, and true it, love's
0: kiss, and yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't true love's kiss. That's the thing. It's easy to miss in the movie. Cebalba has the two-headed uh, staff with a snake head on each end and if one snake head bites you you fall into a coma and you can be revived if two if both snake heads bite you instant death so he has one snake head bite maria and he goes oh she's dead poor boy if you want i can send you to the land of the dead you can find her soul and bring her back up here and be with her you know Mm -hmm. and then he has both snake heads bite manolo And that is his trick. He's dead dead. Uh, Maria gets kissed by Joaquin and she comes back to life. Yes, but that is not what causes her to come back to life. If you're not paying very close attention, you think it's like, oh, true love's kiss. But what happens is when he bends over to kiss her, the everlasting life medallion that is always on his coat, on his chest touches her when he bends over to kiss her
0: and that's how she gets life.
1: that's how she gets brought back to life there's a little ding and a little green light because he he bends over and the medallion on his chest touches her when he bends over
0: and, and because, that's and- what
1: breaks the curse it's not him kissing her it's her touching the medallion
0: I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Can we talk um, about Maria for a minute? Because I want to talk about this, because they make her a little too perfect in this movie. I am not one to to use, that, to use the phrase Mary Sue. I liked young Maria, as she's kind of a troublemaker, and she's always, you know, free the animals, and this is why she's sent away in the first place, because she ends up freeing all the pigs from the butcher, And causing a stampede. and Sets about the events. That would shape all three of their lives. Because Maria lets out all the pigs. She gets in trouble. And she is sent away. To learn at a convent. In Spain. Because the pigs were released. The bull was released. And this gets. Manolo to use his. uh, Skills as a bullfighter. To tame the bull. But also has Joaquin become brave and he ends up getting enlisted into the army. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of coincidence right there. I understand it's a kid's movie, but. One of those deities had to have been involved in that. That just not doesn't all happen at once.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I sort of agree with you on Maria. She was much more interesting as a kid. When she comes back from Spain, you're right that she is... I, I wouldn't call her a Mary Sue, necessarily.
0: Did I mention I studied fencing? Did I mention I studied Kung Fu? Did I mention I read?
1: It, well, the thing about reading was funny to me.
0: It's very but, much in the Beast. Where yeah, all it, it's very saying, much
1: Beauty and the Beast.
0: She reads for fun!
1: Can oh, no. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. um all of her other skills are I do like the agency that she keeps showing of like initially where she keeps saying, like, Stop fighting over me, I'm not either of yours.' You know, because when they're kids, they keep going like, no, Maria's mine. She is mine, you know, as they're kind of play fighting. Yeah. And she keeps saying, I'm not anybody's. Stop it. And she does sort of retain that through
0: the rest of the movie. I ad- admire the independence of Maria. That uh, it's what gets me is that she it's like a bad fanfic where the character all of a sudden has a new skill set when it's needed.
1: Yeah, her her constantly having the exact right skill at the exact right time does get very annoying. She needs to have some skill that she learns that is useful to the plot. Like the fencing I get. That makes sense. Yeah, her having something. And honestly, I kind of would have liked it to go back to the reading. They set that up so much that it would have been interesting if she'd have said, I I read about this.
0: That would, yeah, I, I agree. If she had just started swinging a sword, like, when did you learn to fess? Oh, I read about it. When did you learn to fight? Oh, I read about it. That would have been funnier.
1: Or some other skill that might have been considered traditionally feminine that she put to a different use, maybe. Mm. Like, maybe she didn't learn how to fence, but she picked up one of the grandmother's knitting needles and defended herself with it or so. That would have been funny. But yeah, I I agree with you on that. Maria is far less interesting a character when she comes back from Spain. And she, in certain parts of the movie, has far less
0: agency than I would have liked her to. Everything that she does from the moment she returns home is in the name of the town she agrees to marry joaquin because joaquin has become a traveling hero and the only way he can stay put is if he gets married and because the bandits are coming he needs they need him more than ever so he has to get married i understand that uh but in the end when joaquin bails because he doesn't have his medal on maria actually becomes sort of a general and Fights in the name of the town that her loyalty to her town it I admire that in that character that is the best
1: part of Maria and also the worst part of Joaquin. I get that he's becoming he's become a traveling bandit fighter. That's actually pretty cool, but that would mean theoretically that you go to the town that the bandits are attacking. If the bandits are attacking San Hell, you stay in San Angel. It doesn't matter if you're married or not, dude. If the bandits are attacking, that's where you go. Right? That's what that means. It just, it that whole plot point of you have to marry him so he'll stay here and defend the town just seemed so absolutely ridiculous to me because I'm like, what is the point of you being a guy who fights bandits and saves towns if you won't save the town that's being attacked by bandits unless you're married to the girl there? It would that have makes
0: se- no sense to me. It would have made more sense if it had been, hey, when the bandits are done, I'm going, to the, I'm going to follow them to the next town. And then they make, oh, we want you to stay and be our protector from everybody. But that's not how they phrase it in the movie.
1: But also, what do you need protection from if
0: the bandits aren't attacking? They seem to, even before (laughs) the bandits attack, they seem to have this thing. um, They want Joaquin to stay in the town. Well, then the town is selfish. Like if you're not in
1: danger and other towns are, let Joaquin go save them.
0: I, you know, I'm bringing up Beauty and the Beast again. He really is that, Gust- that Gaston character. He even has this troop of women that are fawning over him.
1: He really, he, there is a lot
0: of Gaston stuff here. Joaquin is if Gaston actually learned his lesson and didn't go full murder rage, Bella's mine.
1: Yeah. Um, but he actually wants... Maria for a, a bit more pure reason. He really does like Maria as a person. They both, He's not both just had- like Maria is the prettiest and therefore she is a trophy. He always liked Maria as a person. They were friends.
0: So he's he's already
1: one step up on Gaston.
0: When they're kids, they even they make the vow that they will wait for Maria to come back. Which is a lot to say as a kid, yeah. But you know, both of these kids, and it's never given a specific age, but they straight up say, you know, this is the only girl for me, and I will wait as long as it takes. We even get the song, "I Will Wait."
1: I mean, it's been on the nose, but
0: yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: I want to talk about the Sanchez family,
0: the family of bullfighters, and one,
1: yeah. Comment. It's an entire family of bullfighters that have been doing this for generations. The interesting thing is, is we meet one of his ancestors and we find out that that ancestor wanted to be an opera singer, you know, and they bond over the fact that like those Sanchezes, they do want to crush your dreams, don't they? (laughs) and i was like wow that's a profound statement
0: yep cuz that's the rule no sanchez will be a musician all yeah. sanchezes will be bullfighters except the one that's a rodeo clown
1: i do like that they let the the one guy be the be be the the clown in the bullfighter it's like at least he's contributing to the sport of bullfighting yes like, he may not be the bullfighter, but at least he's in the bullfighting ring, you
0: know? <laughs> like, he's in the business, just at the same field.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, um, they've been in this business far enough back that, like, they were doing it during the time of the Aztecs, you know? It's like, I, that's... wow. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, oh. and they... Uh, anyone who knows about bullfighting, uh, what happens after you tame the bull?
1: Yeah, that was the traditional method. Um, recently, uh, sadly, far more recently than this movie is set. Um, fortunately, we have been able to stop the more hideous parts of bullfighting. Um.
0: But that's Manolo's thing. He will not kill.
1: Yeah. um, he, he will not kill the bull. Um, And that's one of the things that Maria loves about him. Because like we said with the thing at the pigs at the beginning, she releases the pigs because she sees them about to be butchered. And she has a moment of like, no, you know, not these pigs, not today and she lets them go and she keeps one of them
0: yep that's her pet. pet for the whole movie
1: <laughs> yeah um chewy her her pig but that's that's one of the things that makes her fall in love with with manolo is the fact that he will not harm the animal you know he'll dance around with it in the ring he'll dodge it he'll he'll put on a good show He's a performer. He'll prove, after his, all. He'll, he'll prove his bravery
0: mm-hmm. um, in as standing as up to a charging bull. But I mean, uh, like at, right at the beginning of the movie, he has a natural gift for bullfighting. It's just he his passion is, mu- is music. When his father hands him the sword
1: and says, "You know, take down, take down the bull," he won't he won't do it. He won't do a killing blow.
0: And you know, good, good for him. But uh, it kind of makes him the black sheep of the family. Like his father's disappointed in him. The entire arena boos him. Even his grandmother boos him. Like I knew he couldn't do it. He doesn't. He doesn't have the strength to do it. By her, you know, saying that herself and all that says she used, she herself was a champion bullfighter.
1: the The thing is, is I absolutely friggin' love. The the grandmother.
0: Is this Gray's character?
1: This is Gray's character, yeah. This is this is Greg Griffin. Um she just sits in her wheelchair. I think I think it's supposed to be his great grandmother and not his direct grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um but she just sits in her wheelchair knitting the entire movie just snarks on everything around her, and I love this character
0: so much. She has reached the no-longer-give-a-damn of her old age.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is that I don't think she judges Manolo for not killing the bull. I just think she simply understands that he won't.
0: I don't know, that's I under, The way I saw it, that like there's still a bit of disappointment in there. I we,
1: think the more disappointment is when his father says, a Sanchez man never apologizes. And she goes, nope, never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that becomes a plot point, too. As we said, once he's in the land of the dead, he has to prove, he has to do the challenge to go back and he has to fight the bull. Or should I say every bull that every Sanchez has ever killed? And And how does does he win? By apologizing. He won't kill the bull. He apologizes for, you know, your blood was never meant to be spilled. And I'm sorry for, for all of the pain my family caused you.
1: Yeah, and like we said, this is a family that has been fighting bulls. Since the time of the Aztecs,
0: since bull- they probably invented it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's. Who knows? I mean, I, I think it's interesting that. You know. They have an Aztec. In this line, who was a bullfighter? Because I do not even know if that's. Historically possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that is, but, but
1: um. But we see, you know, it's it's actually a really effective scene where he makes the the bet with Xibalba where he says I will do any challenge you name me. And if I win, you have to send me back. You have to give me my life back so that I can I can go back into the land of the living and help protect my town and help protect Maria. And yeah,
0: this is a much better, the stakes from this and this movie are a little bit higher than they are in Coco. Because in Coco, it's one person that needs to be remembered. This is the entire Sanchez family. No, it's not just the entire Sanchez family. It's
1: everyone. Everyone. That will be forgotten because the entire town of San and Angel is about to be wiped out.
0: By the bandits, yeah.
1: By the bandits. The bandits are going to come in and the, um, the candle maker who holds the Book of Life, he says that the way the story goes, the bandits are kind of meant to come in and just wipe the entire town from the map. And that means everyone living in that town will die. And that means there will be nobody to remember those people currently in the town. And because they die, all of their ancestors will also be forgotten. We're talking about
0: generations. Of to many go back,
1: families, not to go just go back
0: the Sanchez. To go back to Coco, it's the same principle. As long as there is someone living in the world who remembers who you are, you will still exist in the afterlife. If no one is alive to remember you, you no longer exist. Or in this one, you go to the land of the forgotten. Same principle applies. So well, that the entire- we, we do
1: see we do see people disappearing from the land of the forgotten. So it is the same kind of thing of you kind of fade as the memory fades, and then you're just poof. I mean, it's it's the exact same principle we see in Coco. It's just they explain it a little better in Coco. Yeah. Um. This is just. They leave it to the viewer to kind of intuit more, whereas Coco kind of hand holds it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's the exact same principle as in Coco, um, except with an entire town getting wiped out like that, it would happen very, very quickly, I think.
0: Like I said, the stakes are a bit higher. In this yeah. And, and we start seeing th- this happen. The first person to die by the bandits is Manolo's father and he just shows up at the
1: bullfight as Manolo is fighting Poof. and then this is the second person is the grandmother who just shows up in her wheelchair knitting by the by the bull ring and they're like grandma what happened and she was like eh cholesterol <laughs> <laughs> i love that the grandmother apparently just like died of a
0: heart attack or something while knitting like sitting
1: in the church or something
0: here comes the bandits. She's scared out of her mind. Because of cholesterol, she has a heart attack and dies.
1: I'm not even sure she was scared. I think her heart just finally gave out. Like
0: My um, only complaint about the land of the dead is that apparently in the land of the dead, you still have your ailments from life because the, one of the, the grandfather still has arthritis. That has to suck.
1: Yeah, I love that he gets separated from his body and for a while he's just a head and he he's like, Oh, my arthritis is gone. And he's so happy about it. And then La Muerte brings back his body and he's like, Oh, my arthritis is back again.
0: <laughs> uh
1: to, and I I to felt that yet. in my soul. I was like, I would be so happy to just be a disembodied skeleton head if it meant all my pain was gone.
0: <laughs> so to simplify that, you you have chronic illness. We've mentioned this on the show. Yeah. So imagine having that chronic illness for eternity in the afterlife.
1: Yeah, I would, I would immediately want every person who could possibly remember me to be dead. I I would come back and murder every single one of you (laughs) to immediately wipe my memory from existence. I would be like, nope, land of the forgotten for me. (laughs) I'm taking you all down with me. I'm not spending eternity like this. You will forget me immediately. (laughs) Give me that sweet, sweet void.
0: So. There is one moment that I kind of really did like. It was kind of a warming moment, at least for me. And again, personal issues for it was, again, it's an animated kids movie. So we need a dead mom. But it's that opening scene where they're at the cemetery. And uh, Manolo's father is talking to him about pretty much, you know, how how death and afterlife work in, in Mexican culture, you know. On the day of the dead, your 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 loved ones come back, and slowly but surely you see his you know the ghost of his mother and the ghost of all the relatives surround him, and little Manolo saying, "I can feel them here," and it's like that's a nice little warming moment to open the movie, at least for me. And then the the reunion in the land of the dead.
1: I mean this this episode is literally going up on my mother's birthday, so yeah, I mean. Halloween, my mom's birthday, Day of the Dead—it's always like, well, this is a trifecta of feelings. <laughs> so yeah, I—I uh, I, I also had that kind of same. Yeah, yeah. But I did like that. Um, his mother did not share his father's dreams for Manolo. He was like, I became a bullfighter like you wanted. Then she was like, like I wanted. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was but I, mom's dream. Yeah, I like that she pointed out the other side of the family.
0: Her side of the family, yeah.
1: Well, not like necessarily her side of the family, but the...
0: The non-bullfighters.
1: The The woman's side of the family
0: revolutionaries
1: yeah there's some Zapatistas over there there's all kinds of you know we see just women over there doing their own thing and she was kind of like oh yeah the ones that didn't get to be that didn't have that like you have to be a bullfighter we actually did other stuff with our life like look at us being happy
0: that's what I wanted for you So, I think that if she had still lived on, she probably would have encouraged him to be a musician. Yeah,
1: I think she would have very much liked that. Um, And, in fact, she's so proud of him when he starts to deal with the bull challenge in his way. Mm -hmm. You know, here's this giant spirit of the bull that is made up of all of the bulls that have been... Killed by the Sanchezes for all these generations. You know, as he's apologizing for all of the death that his family has brought to, you know, the spirit of the bull. And we see how proud his mother is. That he's finally righting a wrong that I think she also kind of knew was there. But maybe she wasn't able to stop.
0: Yeah, she, I mean, she even admits that her husband is a bit of a hardhead, and he even says, you know, we never apologize, but you've changed that now. That if if the Sanchez had just apologized for one of those sins, maybe this wouldn't have happened, and all that.
1: Yeah, and she points out to Manolo that that the, the bullfighters, you know, they get great glory but also they die really quickly
0: yeah they and mentioned that. There's, no wonder there's so many of us down here because they all died in the ring
1: of course she wouldn't want that for her son she wants her son to stick around that to me was a very effective scene it was a little too short because they tried to just work so much into this movie They
0: tried to keep this. This is barely over an hour and a half. And I think they wanted to keep this under two hours.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a 95 minute movie and it's enough story for like two movies.
0: Honestly, yeah,
1: this movie just it hits the ground running and it just speeds up as it goes along. This is far too much plot
0: for this. Runtime. It feels like most of this movie, like, most of the going to the land of the dead and coming back could have been the sequel and the growing up part could have been the first movie or something.
1: Yeah, it's just...
0: Yeah, there's a lot to go...
1: And there's the framing device with the little kids in the... And they keep jumping back to the framing device where these little kids are finding out about the story... How can these kids? How can these characters die? We're kids.
0: As if you know. Openly that was say, a funny.
1: That was a funny line. Like oh, when when they think Maria's dead, they're like, "How can you tell us a story? We're kids."
0: I mean, that's openly saying this is a kids' movie. How can we do this? Yeah. Um, when that happens in other movies, I kind of groan. But for this movie, it makes sense, and I had to laugh at it. Okay, so we've got this
1: love triangle which I just hate it sort of makes a bit more sense because it's the subject of a bet made by people who are just
0: watching it I guess again these are two gods that are playing with mortal lives like that doesn't always happen (laughs) and once
1: again it's kind of set in the past I really hate modern or future love triangles even more, but I guess when you're set in the past in like a super Catholic village that makes a little more sense. But like, you know
0: Polyamory is a thing, just just do that. Like <laughs> I don't know if the if, if the if that's gonna fly in a kid's movie. We're not there yet. But you know, make it they like you know just do
1: that. D- make that a thing. I know kids living in polyamorous households, they're fine. It's it's fine. It's kids are resilient. Kids throughout the majority of human history lived in polyamorous societies. They're fine. H- humans dealt with it. It's it's okay. Um but it just—I don't know—it's the most boring and lazy plot device ever. Please stop using it. Oh,
0: god. I want to—I know it's—it's a, it's a bit late in the episode to, to discuss this, but I do want to talk about the art—the the art design because the characters in the actual story are wooden figures, and we get the introduction to that through the faming de- device as here are these little figurines that. Uh, represent all the characters in the story that I actually don't hate that the fact that these characters all look like wooden figures I'm glad you don't I think it looks
1: just so ugly I respect the technique that it took to do it I understand the artistic vision they were going for like I get it on a intellectual and technological level but as an aesthetic i'm just not there as a viewer it just it's not where i'm at i i did not like looking at this for an hour and a half even if you're gonna go for the wooden block idea i would have maybe changed some of the things that make it more aesthetically pleasing to me personally.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, even if you're going to go with that idea, I may have chosen a different art style to get that across. It's not that I disagree with it intellectually. I just don't think
0: visually it it was there for me. So the final battle is actually pretty good. The fight choreography is pretty good. Even uh, I loved the fact that they had Manolo and Maria dance and fight. It was actually, I actually thought it was pretty clever. Yeah, I'm
1: always down for a good dance battle, in in the sense of mixing dancing and fighting. I mean, some fighting is just
0: dancing, just hitting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do like that Joaquin finally does figure out. That he's not the guy. You know, those two are in love. Manolo has made the big sacrifice. He has come back from the dead for Maria and brought the entire Sanchez clan with him. (laughs) Um, You know.
0: Day of the Dead, you know, they can bend the rules a little bit. I do like how they specifically put this one family. Not for any other family who lived in the town. Just one family. (laughs) But... You know, there's that point where Joaquin looks at the statue of his father and knows what to do. Like, he's, he, you know, he he is all ready to sacrifice himself because he knows that Manolo loves Maria and Maria loves Manolo. He, he takes the Medallion of Life, puts it on Manolo, and is all ready to go underneath that bell when, uh, when, when the bandits set off the explosives. Yeah, Yeah. the
1: the bandit leader decides that if he can't have the town and he can't have the Medallion of Life, which are the two things he came for, he wanted to wipe the town off the face of the earth and get his medallion back because he had once owned the medallion and then lost it. And, you know, there's a whole subplot about the medallion that's not really terribly interesting, although it is important to the flow of the story. He decides that if they can't, if he can't have it, no one will. And he's going to blow himself and the town all to sky high. But Manolo and Joaquin kind of fight for who's going to make the sacrifice, I guess. And Manolo kind of wins out on making the sacrifice, but as he runs to make the sacrifice, we don't really see it, but Joaquin somehow puts the medal on him as he's running away
0: It's a blink and you'll miss it moment, but we do see joaquin pat Manolo on the chest that is where I think he's he made the swipe, okay,
1: yeah, they really do hide it from the audience that 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 has has happened because i I completely did not see when that happened
0: because they were saying Um, their catchphrase no retreat no surrender
1: yeah Manolo runs to uh put the bandit leader Chakal under this big bell to contain the uh basically suicide vest that he's got strapped on him and He tells Joaquin, like, take care of Maria and he makes a run for it and uh, traps them both under the bell. And the explosion goes off and they're like, well, uh, Manolo's toast. But uh, Manolo kind of reappears with the, the medallion on him, you know, to be like, uh, somehow I'm alive and everybody including, like, all three of the the deities, they're like, I, I didn't do it, did you do it? Dude? Like, <laughs> who saved him, you know?
0: <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, the medallion, you know, who, he who uh, whoever wears the medallion cannot die for any reason.
1: Yeah, and, uh... Manolo realizes that he's got the medallion on him, and he looks over and he's like, Joaquin (laughs) Joaquin's like well I couldn't let you die dude (laughs) so Joaquin takes the medallion back and gives it back to Zabalba and he's like you need to take this dude we we do not need this medallion in
0: this world thank you please please go away now and for the first time in his life Joaquin gets injured he loses an eye in this fight yeah he
1: does he loses his eye But he does realize that to be a hero, you have to be selfless. That true heroism comes from knowing you could be injured, knowing you could die, knowing that it could cost you absolutely everything, and doing the
0: right thing anyway. And that's what Manolo showed you know he again, he was willing to die to protect the town, but also Joaquin does make a sacrifice
1: for the town. he gives up his medallion immortality.
0: Up His that's, immortality immortality,
1: yeah. he is willing to accept grave injury, he loses a body part as we said, he loses his eye, and he still does the right thing for the town he loses the woman and he still says he will protect the town and he stands there as you know best man and witness as Manolo and Maria are married in front of you know all his family because it's still day of the dead so they can be present for the wedding and three gods (laughs) and three gods who perform the the ceremony it it does end with you know a marriage and everything and Cibalba and La Muerte are like happily married again or whatever. But you know we go back to the framing device and all the children are like, yay, that was a great field trip. Back on our bus or whatever, and then we find out that the people at the museum are actually La Muerte and Zabala because of course they are. And then we get the weird thing at the end where, like, Ice Cube is the candle maker. just pops up at the end. And he's like, write your own
0: story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. he, yeah, there is one thing that we, we didn't mention is that when, when they look at Manolo's pages in the Book of Life, they're blank. Meaning that he's not following his predestined path. Which I think that's kind of the, the lesson of the story. It's a make-your-own-story kind of deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, you know, it's simplistic and possibly not possible for most people, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's,
0: a, it's a nice little lesson for kids, you know.
1: I don't know. I feel like this movie had its heart in the right place, but it was kind of all over the place.
0: So uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. So I guess you already answered your the question for yourself. Does the Book of Life have the magic?
1: I'm not gonna call it like a bad movie. We've definitely watched worse movies. This is far from the worst movie we've ever watched. Um, it had cute moments. I'm I'm not saying like I'm regretting ever having seen it. I don't know, is there do we have a ranking between magic and no magic? Is there like a eh magic? Uh, this feels kind of
0: like a eh, magic <laughs> some magic but not a lot of it yeah i like the movie i'm gonna say yes it has the magic it does tend to put a lot into it but it doesn't make it boring to me and i i i, I have to give it props for that this movie was not boring to me so i'm gonna say yes magic
1: even though I don't think that it shares as much in common with Coco as a lot of people want to claim. If we're comparing the two films, i much prefer Coco.
0: I'll say this. Coco made me cry. This one did not. But again, this one had a lot more action than Coco did. Coco was more story-driven. This one was, yeah. you know, that... And that's fine, that's that, That's Pixar, that's the Pixar way. Yeah. That's fine.
1: I, I will just say, as a movie on its own, I thought it misused the Jukebox musical concept. I personally did not like either the love triangle aspect or the art direction. Again, that that's a me thing. I get that those are very personal things. And I thought that it tried to do t- too much in a too small a run time. I really thought some story editing should have been done.
0: I would have cut the framing device altogether.
1: And I would have cut down some of the part when they were kids. That first act
0: just—it runs at breakneck speed. That could have been a movie by itself, and I, I get that. That that, that uh, like you said, they wanted to use that as the kickoff to a sequel. Uh, n- maybe not.
1: It it really felt like it needed to be maybe narration by one of the gods. You know, use a frame, use a a. a Opening in the book of life of like once upon a time there were three kids who were you know
0: best friends and, and blah, blah, yeah, blah blah blah, yeah and
1: then kind of go to them as adults
0: but anyway let's uh, but the
1: cast um oh, this cast amazing
0: yeah especially for celebrities doing animation this is yeah one of the, you know how
1: much I hate a stunt cast so.
0: This is one of the better examples of stunt casting, because you can they actually do the uh, emotions well and not you know wooden.
1: And it's because a lot of these people actually do animation. Like uh, some of these people are not just stunt casted. Like Ron Perlman does a lot of animation. Some of these are just straight up voice actors on the side.
0: So, uh, that's all we can say about the Book of Life. Let's move on to next week, as we once again return to that galaxy far, far away. This was the request of our good friend Tony Goldmark, the most controversial movie in all of Star Wars, The Last Jedi. I am so looking forward to this. I'm kind of... Sad that we won't get to do Force Awakens first, but request is a request and we will do it. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I mean, it, it is kind of just the nature of the randomizer, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, live, I, I live I by, think by the rando, it,
0: die by the rando. Yeah.
1: But it will be interesting to talk about this because I. I want to talk about this one so badly and uh, it would have taken us so much longer to get there if we'd have done it the normal way, so I'm kind of glad the randomizer just threw us in the deep
0: end. So, So. join us next week for our discussion on The Last Jedi. And we will talk to you all then. Bye! Bye Bye! Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at rewatching the magic twitter at rewatch the magic and of course new episodes every week at rewatching the magic.podbean.com remember the magic is for everyone it only stops if you let it